So let's get right into the message series. I'm ready to do this. How about you? We're in a message series called Change. And most people do not like change, but I love change. How many people love change in here? Okay, about five of you. That's why we're doing a, a series on change, because seasons change, weather's, weather changes, we know that, age changes, and complexion changes. Come on, somebody. And, uh, but for all you moms who are old and have your daughters here next to you have kids, you look beautiful today, despite of the wrinkles. But God, God wants us to change everybody. You know, when, I, when you think about change, there, there really is about five types of people when it comes to change. There's the early innovators. That's 2.6% of the population. And that was those who raised your hand. I'd join you. Uh, they innovate new ideas and they say, let's go. But then there's the early adopters. That's about 13.4% of the population. And that's those of you who clap for those who raised your hand. Then there's the slow majority, the 34%, and they just say, well, they initiated, the 13% are going, we might as well do it, and 34% of them just follow along. But then the reluctant majority, which is 34%, say it's very hard to change. It's very hard to change. Then there's the antagonistic people. That's about 16%. 16% of you in here are antagonistic. Bump your neighbor and say, that's not me. It's not me. They never change. <laughs> Those are the ones that make me angry. I mean, I get angry and sin not, by the way. Isaac Newton said this in the, the law of first motion. He said this, everything continues in a state of rest unless it's compelled to change by forces pressing upon it. <laughs> you know, when we come into proximity with Jesus, we are changed. That's a force to be reckoned with, by the way. That's the greatest force that the world has ever seen. And when we get in proximity to Christ Jesus, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, we change. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about this in verse 18. So all of us who had had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. This speaks of those who come in proximity with Jesus and surrender. The Bible talks about being born again. We're all become new. It's a spiritual awakening. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. More and more speaks of process. It speaks of process, but God has a, a way of putting us through the process if we hang on. As a matter of fact, there's a gap between our beliefs and our actions, and it should shrink as we model our life after the example of Jesus. So there's a gap between what we know and what we do, but as we thrive and strive and, and, and endure and, and endeavor to follow Jesus, that performance gap, if you would, or that, that, that lifestyle, that transformation gets smaller and smaller. I wanna be more like Jesus. And, 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 and if I realize that change doesn't happen in a day, but it happens daily, I can embrace the process. See, there's power in the process, and some of you come here today and say, I've been struggling with this thing called change. I've come into contact with Jesus, but guess what? My spouse says you're still not changed. 
Or people at the job might say, you're still that old person, right? But I want to I say here today that change is a process. And if we keep following Jesus and keep yielding our life to the Spirit of God, you'll be amazed that in about a year or two, if you look back from today right now, you'll, you'll, you'll say, wow, God is good. It's hard to see change if we're looking at it every single day. But, but if we wait a little while and we keep following Christ and we, we keep living daily following him, you will be amazed. Actually, you'll be astonished at the miraculous power of God of what he can do in the life of a simple individual like you and me over a couple years period. He's going to change us all the way to the grave. And I don't know how you're going to die. And I don't know how I'm going to die. But if I find myself on the deathbed and it's not instant death, I, I want to have that dim look in my eyes, but that expectancy in my heart and say, it is good. And I have zero regrets. To, the way to live without regrets is to change daily by following Christ. And it'll be well with your soul. So for those of you who say it's very hard to change, look at it that way. I want it to be well with my soul. Get a little bit selfish about it. Come on, somebody. So God wants us to change. And this whole series is about change. It really is. And I'm going to dial in on a specific aspect of our life, and it's called desire or desires. See, desire is a strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. Our desires, we all have desires, every single one of us. Some are good, some are bad, some are pleasant, some are ugly, some smell good, some smell bad. But we all have desires, and the key is, is to have our desires changed by the Spirit of God. God can actually plant desires on the inside of our heart and change our desires, and we sometimes get the credit for it. But really, it's God working in us the hope of glory. See, it's impossible to achieve something without desire. It's impossible. We have to have that desire. People don't need more willpower. They need more want power, right? They, mean, they need more want power, that want. I think about a guy in the Bible, the psalmist. He said, my soul pants after God like a deer pants out after water. It's saying that my heart desires all that God has for me. Though I might not see it all unfolding right now, my heart yearns to see it unfold. And I believe that God sees that want power and he begins to take a few steps towards you and accelerates the growth process in your life. I'm gonna say this, is if you're satisfied where you are right now, not talking about contentment, not talking about spiritual contentment, but if you're just satisfied where you are right now, then you're capped. You're capped. Doesn't matter what age you're in. Doesn't matter what season of life you're in. The Lord still has more for you. God still has more to reveal to you. God still has more refining to do in your life as an individual. And it's good and it's great and we should just embrace it. Never find yourself satisfied with your transformation. There's more of God. See, desire is the vehicle to spiritual growth. It's a vehicle that you can ride into spiritual growth because we have this thing called free will, everybody. And we have to align our will with God's will. We have to align our thinking with the way God thinks. And when we do that, if that desire 
becomes a vehicle that gets us from point A to point B, which is spiritual growth. So to get moving forward in spiritual growth, the very first thing that has to happen in our life is our desires have to change. It's not about, let me go pick up a book. That's good. We're going to read books. It's not about going to listen to that podcast. I love podcasts. It's about, first of all, getting on your knees before your king and your maker and saying, God, I have a desire to change. I have a desire to change. What that does also is takes the self-sufficiency off of your life and puts the codependency on God and you cooperating with God versus I'm going to autonomously change everything about me. It's more or less saying I need the spirit of God. I need the oil of the spirit to soften up this old hard leather, everybody. You know how it is when you go get a baseball glove, it's brand new and you put it on and it's stiff. And they say to oil that glove and to, to, to start throwing baseballs into that glove and just start working with that glove. That's how our life is. Without the spirit of God and without us asking God to change our desires, we're like the stiff glove. And every time we go out to the ball field to play baseball, that ball's hitting the tip of it and we can't grab the ball because we never stopped and said, God, I need you to change my desires. I need you to reveal to me your desires for my life. And I'm willing to submit and when you do that come on give it up yeah we're getting fired up today we're gonna preach here in a second that's the key component that's the vehicle for spiritual growth some of you are running and never got in the vehicle and you're tired and you're wore out and you're saying I can't change well it's time for you to sit down and get before your knees and say oh God you're able to change me even when I can't change myself I submit my life to you Holy Spirit come impact me I surrender Lord now let's do this thing that's what it takes that's what it takes and that's easy It's a joke. <laughs> Sometimes we're the grape in the wine press and uh, we're running. Hold an old illustration years ago. We're all like little grapes. We're in that wine press, the Old Testament wine press, and it's like a big rock that rolls around this wine press and we're all like little grapes running as fast as we can and we don't want the stone to roll over us, but eventually we run out of gas and we fall down hyperventilating. The stone runs over us and fresh wine comes out, everybody. Here's what I'm learning in my life. It's gonna roll over me anyway. I might as well have my breath when it comes. So what I'm doing is turn around and facing the stone and the rock and say, bring it on, God. You want what's best for me. This is the process of change. The secret to change is to focus, is not to, here, let me, let me say this again. The secret to change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but embracing and building the new. So, so, so many of us just try to fight the old versus embracing the new. The old desire, the old desire, first John talks about it, for the world offers only a craving only a desire for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but from the world. We so struggle against those things versus looking towards something new. When we look towards something new, those things begin diminishing and they lose their power because we're no longer entertaining them anymore. 
What are we entertaining? See, a desire for new is our starting point. And there's a guy in the New Testament that really paints a picture of having our desires change. His name's Zacchaeus. He's a wee little man he is. Zacchaeus. Luke, Jesus is telling about this story and the gospel of Luke pins it. It's a great illustration for us. Jesus entered a place called Jericho and made his way through the town and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in that region. He became very rich. Now the tax collectors were hated. He was a Jewish tax collector. The Roman government was putting heavy taxes on the Jewish people and it was really just destroying their lives. And an incentive to be a tax collector at that time was, hey, basically Zacchaeus, we're recruiting you. We're gonna charge $100 tax on every family, but you can charge whatever you want. Just make sure you give us $100. How many of you know that was abused real quick? So he was a chief tax collector, which means he had his minions. He had his minions running through the streets, pounding people's doors and taking their money, basically. So he was despised. Imagine that. A lot of you are thinking, man, I'm going home to get my gun if somebody does that to me. Just kidding. That's for some of you guys out there. The thing is that, that Jesus was coming into town where this tax collector was. He, he was coming into town. You got to ask yourself, what would seduce a man to be a tax collector like that? To, to pillage his own fellow people, to come against his own country and to, to practice extortion. What, what could do that to a man? I'd imagine Zacchaeus one day was a little kid running through the yard. I know this, that evil desires left untamed can only lead to demise. Evil desires left untamed in our life can only lead to demise. It might not look like Zacchaeus, but I'm here to tell you, you are Zacchaeus. Some of you are Zacchaeus. And some, some of you are in the church, some of you are outside the church, some of you are watching online, and God's saying there's some desires in there that can lead to demise. And James says temptation comes from our own desires. Another version says our own evil desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it brings forth death, or it gives birth to death. These desires within us, that's why God wants to change our desires. See, there's a progression to desires. Left untamed, there's a progression. You can put it this way, there's an evolution to our desires, and we can end up a chief tax collector, or we can end up in adultery, or we can end up in addiction, or we can end up in extortion, or we can end up, or we can end up, or we can end up. Evil desires within us left untamed leads to demise. Knowing this, we want the greatest return on our investment. We want the greatest return on the investment of our desires. It takes energy to operate in your personal desire. So energy to me is investment. Energy to me is like currency of our life. And so if I want to invest my energy in the greatest return, my desires have to be transformed. My desires have to be transformed. And Jesus is the key. 
Jesus is the key. In Luke chapter 19, we see this guy named Zacchaeus, right? He's in town. Jesus is in town. He tried to get a look at Jesus. He heard about this guy named Jesus. He was famous. Jesus was famous. And he, he was too short, Zacchaeus was, to see over the crowd because crowds were thronging Jesus. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Even though we have evil desires, it does not stop us from the ability to see Jesus. As a matter of fact, there is, no, there is no devil on earth in heaven. There's no person in earth. There's no evil desires. There's no mind that's gone too far. There's no hofty and lofty intellectual that has gone to the place of pride. There's no place that a person can be where they can't see Jesus, period. There's no place. There's no place too far, far away to see Jesus. See, Zacchaeus thought he was trying to get a look at Jesus when in fact, God was setting him up for a life change. How many has happened to you right now? Some of you are tuned in online right now, Facebook Live or another one of our live feeds, and you're just like Zacchaeus, you're just peeking in and you're thinking you're seeing about this church, but God has a different thing for you. He has a different thing for you. That's for somebody out there right now. See, long before Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus, the tree was planted to meet his need. That means God knows exactly where you are. He knows your exact circumstance. He knows every detail about your life. He'll use everything that goes on in your life, both good and bad, to set you up for this monumental moment where you can start the, the, the race of a life transformation to bring glory to God. And Zacchaeus, through his guilt, Zacchaeus, through his shame, Zacchaeus, through his rejection, nobody liked Zacchaeus. He was hated. He was despised. But he did what he had to do, and he climbed up, and he saw Jesus, and God had a plan for him because God's timing is impeccable in our life. I want you to think about that just for a moment that God's timing is impeccable in our life. And, and, and it's always, at least for me, it's, it's always seemingly, probably because I'm not spiritual enough, that I'm just so frustrated and running out of gas and saying, man, I don't know God. And the very next day, there's God to show up and new, new life is in my lungs. Just when I, just when I think that it's over, just when I think the countdown's finished, God says it's still ticking. The key to impeccable timing is our response to it. Because God's gonna show up and it's our responsibility to respond when he does show up. His timing is impeccable. Our response means everything afterwards. That's what happened to Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. Verse five, it says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name, Zacchaeus. He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Can you imagine that? Nobody expected Jesus to seek out an evil man. Nobody. Nobody expected Jesus to call me in 1999 and walk into the church at year 2000 and say, God, here I am. Nobody expected that. Nobody. How about you? 
That's what I love about Jesus. He's always got the ace of spades in his hand. Nobody expected Jesus to seek out an evil man. He singled out the chief tax collector. If anybody in that crowd that day would point out a notorious sinner, they would appoint it at Zacchaeus. I'm sure, and we can paraphrase, we don't know, but I'm sure Zacchaeus up in that tree was being ridiculed. They knew who Zacchaeus was. He's, I'm sure they were ridiculing him in that tree, hating him, turning around. And who would ever have thought that the king of the Jews, right, Jesus, the Messiah, would push through the crowds to, to, to begin to speak to somebody and gaze at somebody that everybody hated, that everybody rejected, that everybody despised. I'm sure the crowd was left speechless. I'm sure the rumbling went way low. I believe, and I just happen to believe, that there was a lot of noise going on at that time because Jesus was there and there was a lot of people. But I can imagine this. When he began to turn and tilt his head and look towards this sycamore tree and gaze at this man, Zacchaeus, and begin to personalize him by calling him by name, I'm sure some were like, how in the world does Jesus know Zacchaeus? Did he get taken taxes too? <laughs> and I'm sure when he began to speak with Zacchaeus, just for a moment, the crowd began to get really quiet. I, I have to believe that the, the, the quietness of the crowd was so quiet just for a moment that they actually heard Jesus say, I must be a guest in your home today. Powerful. You didn't expect Jesus to seek you out, did you? The thing I love about Jesus is he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. Jesus always goes after the one. You're the one. Zacchaeus was the one. And not only does he go after the one, once he goes after the one, which is you, and you come in proximity to Jesus and your desires begin to change, guess what he does? He uses you now to go after that one. If there's not a one on the inside of you to go and out there, you need to get a little closer to Jesus. You need to be like me in the beginning that says, God, change my desires. Because when God changes your desires, what he's going to do is he's going to reveal to you his desires. And his desires is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. And all of a sudden you get to participate in God's dream. The greatest thing ever. I love Zacchaeus. Verse six, chapter 19, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down. I think some theologians played around with that scripture and said he fell down out of the tree. You know how it is? Zacchaeus, come down. I'm sure, I'm sure you just heard branch after branch cracking all the way until he hit the ground. He jumped up. He was like, oh my God. <laughs> he came down, man. Jesus, he came down. He took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. But watch this, verse seven. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. That's a picture of a dead church. 
Are you displeased? I don't think you are. I think the soil is right. I was praying here this morning. Look, the soil is right here for your desires to be changed. To see Zacchaeus when you leave today. Some of you are Zacchaeus, you're going to respond in just a minute. See, when God inspires you, we have to take the first step. The opportunities God created for you come through instant obedience. Zacchaeus ran down the tree, man. I, and, and this is what I'm learning. Yes, if you don't instantly obey, did God leave you behind and say you're finished for life? No. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable and he can take a desire that you've planted in the backyard and buried several times and every time you wake up in the morning, that box, that desire for your life that God has is under your bed. I've done that before. I guess it wasn't supposed to be that way, God. I guess this is not gonna work out. This is, God says there's something else and he, buried, he brings that, that, that desire, that calling that, that you bury out in the yard and every time you wake up in the morning, it's under your bed. <laughs> God, God's relentless. But I want to say this, it's so much easier that when, when opportunities that God create for you come, just act in instant obedience. See, when God inspires you, take the first step. Things will unfold in your life when you hear and act by faith. Things will unfold. Unfolding doesn't come until you obey. Unfolding doesn't come until you take the first step. The instant, when you're inspired, God inspires your heart. God inspires your desires. And if you're spiritual and you know the scripture and you know the word of God, you know that they would parallel the scripture and they line up with God. You know it's God. And when he inspires you, just take the first step into the unknown. Even though you don't know what it's going to look like, you know your heart was inspired and you'll be counted as people of faith. And your desires will be changed and you'll be amazed what God will do in your life. Look what happened to Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19, verse 8. Meanwhile, I love that. Meanwhile. See, there's always a meanwhile in our life. There's always a meanwhile that things are stirring and cooking. There's always a meanwhile that that steak is marinating for Mother's Day. <laughs> Ready to be eaten slowly. <laughs> meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give, watch this everybody, I will give, my, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Sounds like he became a missionary and philanthropist. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds good. He did something anyway. But watch what happened to his heart. He said, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor. I believe he was inspired and said, I'm going to do it. He might have had different thoughts the next morning. How many of you know that when God inspires you and you can step a step of faith and say, I'll do it, God, and you wake up and you hadn't had your coffee yet, you say, what have I done? Because we're human, everybody. He's like, I just took a pay cut. Oh my God. I'm going back to grits and eggs. <laughs> Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. 
That got him the next week. Because that we are supposed to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. And when God deposits a new desire in your life that causes self-sacrifice, you have to walk through selfishness, even though you declared I'll do it, and let God transform you into his image, into his glorious image as you walk forward in Jesus' name. When we meet Jesus... Our desires change, hands down. Man is so good, isn't it? Who wants your desires anyway? I don't. God will reestablish your mission in life. The transformational power of the Holy Spirit will change you from the inside out. And God will also reignite a desire he put in you to fulfill. This is for some of you who've been walking with the Lord for a little while. And God had put a desire in you at one time. And maybe you were like me who said, I don't know how it's not gonna work out. I'm gonna go bury that in the yard. And it keeps showing up in your bedroom every day, that box, that desire. Guess what? God will reignite that desire in your life that he put in you to fulfill. I love the end of the story in Luke chapter 19, verse nine. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Abraham's the father of faith. He's shown himself to be a son of faith, to, to, to walk into the promises of God. And, and, and I love the conclusion, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. The son of man, his name is Jesus. And when we respond to Jesus, we step into a new dimension of faith. We embark on a new journey that's filled with opportunities. We embark on a new journey that's filled with self-sacrifice where there's a reignition of, of things in your life where you say it is good. And I can say this, once you self-sacrifice and you say, God, not my will, but your will be done and I'm gonna follow your desires, though it might seem hard at the moment just hang on because there's gasoline coming and it's nitro fuel. And the wind will hit your sail and you'll be cruising. It's time to climb a tree for some of you. It's time to climb the tree. I don't know where you are right now. I want you to just get along with God, whatever that looks like for you. Online, watching, in this room. It's time to climb a tree. Some of you are like, like Zacchaeus. He, he was a notorious sinner. He was separated from God. He didn't have a relationship with Jesus. He wasn't in proximity with Jesus. But he showed up to church. He opened up Facebook Live. He started watching online. Some of you are like Zacchaeus. You showed up to church today to see Jesus. You didn't even know it. You didn't know who you came to see. It's like Zacchaeus. He didn't know what was going to happen. But God did. God did. The psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart and test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything that offends you, God, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Some of you are there right now today and God is encountering you. The Spirit of God is encountering you and Jesus is looking at you, ma'am, sir, 
And he's saying, Zacchaeus, he's calling you by name. I don't know where you are right now, but that's you, some of you in this room. And, and it's God, it's not a head knowledge of God. It's not a head knowledge of God. It's a relationship with Jesus. Zacchaeus heard about Jesus, but he never encountered Jesus. He never had proximity with Jesus. And that's for you today, ma'am, sir. I don't know where you are. God knows exactly where you are. We're gonna pray a prayer. We're gonna respond. We're gonna fall out of the tree and Jesus is gonna come to our house, right? I'm just gonna pray right now, wherever you are. You know where you are right now. You know exactly where you are. I want you to surrender your heart to God. You say, how do I do that? Just say, I surrender, God. Come to my house. I give you my life right where you are. I give you my life, Lord. That's what you're saying. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, God. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. Open my life up. Open your life up right now to God. Just say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, chief tax collector. Let's do this thing. I hear you, God. In Jesus' name. It's as simple as that, surrendering to God. We're excited about those who just made that decision. Let's give it up, everybody. Those online, those in this room. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.